Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I knew what I was going to do was going to be very special with my life. I'm an example just to show people that like, you come up from nothing. Prince had dedicated his whole legacy to celebrating women, celebrating women of color, and celebrating positive music. I'm going to uphold that. You're your own worst critic. I feel like you should be it anyways, but I, I'm always that, and I was just hating my song, so I was hating myself. Some people are at their cubicle job right now making way less than us. Some people are across the world in a goddamn sweatshop making like nothing a day, and we're getting paid to sing and dance. To sing and dance, that's a blessing. Artists out here, they're just willing to settle for anything. You know what I mean? And once you're willing to settle for anything, you deserve anything you settle for. Yo, this young murder. Yo, this is Lizzo. This is August Regal. What's good? It's Kehlani. This is your man, Blake Carrington. You're listening to The Come Up Show. Get inspired. Hey, welcome to The Come Up Show podcast. My name is Chudo. I'm the host and founder of The Come Up Show. And it's that time of the year. This is the best of 2017, part one. And what an amazing year it was for the Come Up Show podcast. I'm so excited to share this with you, man. Uh, I felt like we found our groove. We zoned in on the type of questions, the format, the purpose and direction that I wanted to take this podcast and the conversations that I wanted to have were about vulnerability, sharing the journey of what it's like to be on this creative journey. It's not easy, but you're not alone. That's the purpose of this podcast. And what it's like to be an artist in this era and also going on the going deeper on the makeup of the people who are making this art and what makes them tick. In 2017, we interviewed legends like Wyclef Jean to Greg Gaines, who's Michael Jackson, former keyboardist, and young guns like Khalid. We did over 40 interviews alone just on the Come Up Show podcast. We also made our first ever audio documentary focusing on the Toronto music scene in partnership with SoundCloud. So we're releasing the best of 2017 in two parts. Here we go. Part one of the Come Up Show podcast, the best of 2017. Let's go. We started off the year with Wyclef Jean. Yo, and this is a crazy thing because sometimes people ask me how I get interviews. This came to me. I did not solicit to interview Wyclef Jean. When you get that email saying, hey, Chetto, would you like to interview Wyclef Jean? Yes, I would like to interview Wyclef Jean. And what an amazing conversation this was. Uh, you know, Wyclef Jean was talking about the generational gap between the old school and the new school. You know, because he was gone for eight years before he released the EP, the brand new EP that he's promoting at that time called Juve. And what it was like to be invited back into the game by artists like Young Thug. Because Young Thug made a song called Wyclef Jean. And... He also talks about a lot of icons trying to make a comeback. If you haven't heard this full interview, please check it out on the Come Up Show podcast. The crazy thing was when this interview was happening, I was a phone interview. Uh, at that exact same time was when uh, Donald Trump was being inaugurated as president. And also, Wyclef Jean was sharing with me a story when he was in Norway and uh, he happened to see uh, Obama, President Obama, former President Obama accept the Nobel Peace Prize and he Wyclef Jean was with Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith and he was talking about that specific story so check out that full interview on the commercial podcast but right now we're focusing on making a comeback Wyclef Jean the commercial podcast let's go Wyclef Jean I'm in love with Lady Haiti and when they call me to the Grammys I wrap the flag all around me cause I'm in love with Lady Haiti 
I'm so in love, they call me crazy. I left the music with the hating. Even though they try to stop me. I seen the earth shake right under her feet. She told me, baby, don't weep. I'm sitting on Oprah. It's crazy, right? Because when you do it so long, for you to get excitement, you got to have another win. You know what I mean? And so when you got like kids like Young Thug doing songs and they're naming them Wyclef Jean and blowing the internet up, you know what I mean? It just, it makes you feel excited again. You see what I'm saying? You're like, man, I want to play in the arena again. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. it's like they're tagging you in and like, come back in, like, we need you. You feel needed. Yeah, it's a tag back in. Yeah. And it's a tag back in by the millennials. Mm-hmm. So they're like saying, yo, man, the game needs you. You're still part of this. You know what I'm saying? And because, you know, a lot of icons try to come back, right? But they don't get the endorsement of the millennial. You see what I'm saying to you? So when you got like a millennial, it's like, man, I used to, well, I class my guy. He's in my idol. I used to live. You know what I mean? It just makes a big difference. Especially in you're more than you know hip hop, more than urban. You you're all types of sound, but in the genre of hip hop, uh, sometimes uh, young artists don't respect their elders like that. They don't, you know. It's like people are really quickly to move on on, on our, in our genre, right? Yeah. Well, I would say with me, like the respect goes mutual, right? Mm-hmm. So in my entire career, like I'm just known like to just be that guy, like you know what I mean. If it's a neighborhood with cribs, blood. I'm going to go talk to the kids. You see what I'm saying? So the street cred is very heavy and it's very serious, right? So respect goes both ways. So sometimes the kids don't feel like the you know, the elders that was in the 90s, they don't feel like they don't respect the kids too, right? So some of it they call mumble rap. They're like, man, this ain't how people rap. You see what I'm saying? So at times if you look at Twitter, sometimes there'd be a feud between the old school and the new school. You know what I'm saying to you? But... What happens is a lot of these kids admire the era of the 90s. But once again, it's like you still got to understand what they do, too. And I think the magic, like um, Quincy Jones always taught me, was you got to be able to, to always, your pulse has to always think like a child. You And the day you can't no longer think like a child, then you no longer will be. You see what I'm saying to you? Because even if we... It could be a great philosopher you love, a great book, a great movie. It, it, it's so simple, even when it's complex, where a child will understand the basis of the parables. You know what I'm saying? Greg Gaines. Yo, Greg Gaines was Michael Jackson's former keyboardist and musical director. Off the Wall, Thriller, Bad, Dangerous, Every Michael Album, Eric Clapton, Stevie Wonder, George Harrison, George Benson. Greg Gaines was their keyboardist. And in this specific part of uh, the interview, uh, Greg Gaines talks about humility, why it's crucial, and why growing pains are designed for a reason. Let's get it. Greg Filling Gaines. So uh, you've had an accomplished career, and what I love talking about on our on our interviews and our podcast is the journey and the peaks and the valleys, right? Uh, people think somebody with your resume would have no troubles, no, like, and you said you're going through something right now, and I want you to educate our young listeners who think that once they get there, and that's it. That's why I talk about humility, because... Um, humility is drastically important. It's crucial um, in your life. There was a great t- 
teacher, I believe her name was Nadia Boulanger, who taught Quincy Jones. And the, the one thing that she told him that he says to this day, you will never be more of a musician than you are as a human being. And that's crucial. And um, Count Basie also told Quincy, pay attention to the valleys as well as the peaks, because when you're in the valleys, that's when you find out what you're really made of. You better have, you better have something that spiritually grounds you for the valleys, because they will happen. You have to know that God will bring you out of those valleys just like he brings you to the peaks. You know, even right now, I'm uh, suffering financially tremendously because, uh, you know, uh, there's been a, a huge slowdown in work. And um, it's affected me because of different reasons, you know, my current family, my ex-wife and all the kinds of things. And so um, it's, it's a challenge, you know, but I have to trust uh, for me. I have to trust in God. I have to. Uh, and I know that he will uh, bring me through. This is obviously for a reason. There's no surprise to him. I know that. And so I'm just going to continue on. And um, in that trust, I know that, uh, you know, I'll make it to the other side. I have a fantastic family, two beautiful twin baby boys, uh, an 11-year-old daughter, and, um, you know, from the last marriage, and an extraordinary wife. I just know that it's all going to be okay. But, uh, you know, for all the peaks, I've had several low times, too. Mm -hmm. And those low times are designed for a reason. And one of the main reasons is to build your character. And that's biblical. You know, it builds character, builds patience, not expecting everything to happen uh, in your timing, but in God's timing. And so there's always lessons to be learned in those downtimes, and you will build your character, and you will, you will grow as a person. That's why it's called growing pains, because they hurt. They do hurt. I mean, make no mistake about it. But the end result, when you get to the other side, is growth. And so that's the thing to look forward to. Khalid. If you don't know the name Khalid, you definitely know it in music. You've heard of the song Location because it has like, I don't know how many hundreds of millions of streams. And he talks about why relationships are temporary. Khalid. So what was it like though moving every time, having to start brand new? What was like, what kind of effect did that have on you? Um, Maturity. Just kind of accepting the fact that a lot of relationships that we surround ourselves with aren't, aren't infinite that a lot of the relationships that we put ourselves through are very temporary. So instead of kind of looking at that as a bad thing, it really allowed me to accept that as a good thing because people come in your life for a reason. Those reasons are the stories that you tell to other people to mm -hmm. help other people out. Meeting all of these people in Germany and then losing a lot of the friendships in Germany and coming to New York... And moving from New York to El Paso and losing more friendships from Germany and New York, it really allowed me to think, you know what, those core friendships and those core relationships, they're going to stay as long as they want to stay. Mm -hmm. But you can't force anyone to stay in your life because yeah. it's impossible. Yeah. Every relationship has its end, but you're kind of the person who decides that end. Okay. Yeah. And it allows you to actually like live in the moment and like make the most out of that relationship because you, you you knew that hey I may move at any time. Yeah, most okay. definitely. So all those friendships that I put into, I made sure that I gave my all, my hundred percent. Because the moment that 
I left or I moved, all of that will become a memory until we saw each other again. Mm -hmm. So I feel as if I didn't truly do my best job to impact others or to let other people impact me, Mm -hmm. then I didn't do my job that I was there. Mm -hmm. All these places I lived, the, the longest place I ever lived was in Germany for six years. I lived in New York for four years. I lived in El Paso for one and a half. So... I built a lot of friendships. I lost a lot of friendships, but I also learned a lot of stories and I learned a lot about myself. Send me your location, let's focus on communicating because I just need the time and place to come through. Send me your location, let's ride the vibrations. I don't need nothing else but you. At times I wonder why I fall with you, but this is new to me. This is new to you initially. I didn't wanna fall. Clifton Reddick. If you know anything about Toronto music and Toronto music producer, Clifton Reddick is the founder of Battle of the Beatmakers, which is a beat battle that producers go head to head. And out of the Battle of the Beatmakers was producers like Boy Wanda, T Minus. Wonder Girl, Arthur MacArthur, a lot of producers have come out of this beat battle and have done a do huge things. And Clifton talks about how Toronto did not feel comfortable in its own skin. Clifton Reddick. And I was I was actually curious about that as well too, Clifton, because you're around, you're seeing this talent of producers before anybody else. Right. right? And when you when you think about uh Boy Wanda, T Minus, all these talent. I was wondering, like, if you ever thought, like, hey, I should be starting a production label or management right. or any of these there things. There is so many things that coulda, woulda, shouldas. Um, yeah. Not even coulda, shoulda, woulda. Like, right. this is the thing. Like, because they're all successful now, it's right. all clear. Did you even have the interest in doing it in, in, in yourself? Um, yes and no. Yeah. Um, no in the sense that I didn't know all the, the, the particulars like copywriting, publishing, royalties. I didn't know any of that in the early days. So even when we were documenting this stuff, like we videotaped all our early three battles. But I didn't know about copywriting and getting clearances. So we recorded it, but we had a lot of background music. You might have heard a Mary J. Blige song in the background while we're filming. So Universal had hit us up to distribute the DVD. But it's like, do you guys have clearances for everything? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? We didn't know anything about that stuff. So... In hindsight, there's probably stuff we could have cleaned up, but in the spirit of it, it was like, you know what, we weren't really thinking that big because in 2005, 2006, when we did the documentary, we had no idea there was going to be a Drake. We had no idea there was going to be a Grammys and all that stuff involved. We, at the time when we made the documentary, it was just a Toronto thing. You know what I mean? So I didn't think of, let me get all this paperwork in in play because we're going to blow up five years from now or there's going to be producers that are going to blow up five years. We didn't see that. So it was like, we ended up keeping it on a DVD level, which was the hot thing back then, DVDs, smack DVDs and all that stuff. So we just put it out on a street level, on a DVD level. Had we known what we know now, then surely we would, could have did certain things differently. Um, but to answer as far as managing producers and stuff like that, in the early days, no, just because, as I said, we didn't see where Toronto was heading to that degree or where it is now. Um, there was no way of... Because I'm coming from a time where you're just dealing with maestro like one artist in like a 10 year span who has a little bit of has a couple songs that are making a little bit of noise in the US you have a Cardi has a couple songs making noise in the US you have Shaq Clear making a little bit of noise but for the most part Toronto is an unknown city 
They don't understand. They don't think black people live here. They think we're still in igloos. They have all these wild conceptions of Toronto. So we as a city weren't really proud of ourselves. Like nobody was wearing no Toronto hat in 2005. You know what I mean? Like the city didn't really feel comfortable in its own skin in 2005, 2006. We were still production-wise copying Dre, copying Timberland, copying Neptune, copying... Rizza, we were trying to mold our sound after them that set the groundwork for production, DJ Premier, Pete Rock, and what have you. So we didn't have our own voice. We didn't have our own sound. We didn't have a clear direction where this was going. We were just kind of feeling our way through it. So to, to have signed a bunch of producers at the time, it, it didn't really make sense from a financial perspective point of view like what would be the point of that i'm going to sign a bunch of guys and they're going to make noise in toronto and like we didn't really see the vision the bigger picture of that so there was no there was no none of that there was other people that was unprecedented it never happened totally totally so we were just in the in the groove of it we're in the it's like you're in the process of a birth but you don't see the baby come out yet you know what i mean so we're just going through that period and that's pretty much where it was so there's a lot of things. It made it a lot easier for someone to come after and capitalize on that because they didn't have to do that grunt work, but they can now see the potential of where Drake is going or where Boy One is going. So now they could jump in and say, like, yo, let me sign the next three hot producers out of, B- out of BBM or out of Toronto now that the set is, the stage is set. But for us who were kind of like building that platform, nah, we didn't really see mm-hmm. um, a lot of the... Was that also apparent in the style of the producers? And not only that... Were people coming out like with the turnout good because the 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 idea was unique, like it, it was like a novelty, or because I totally understand mm-hmm. what you mean of because uh, I I did a radio you know show since right. two thousand seven right. and when I'm I'm promoting Canadian hip hop right. my my friends and people don't want to did did I get the f out of right. here they want to right. listen to Jay Z right. like you totally. know when I say yo I'm playing this right. no right no right. Talib Kweli, what more can I say about Talib Kweli? A legend and how he talks about how everything is relative. Talib Kweli. Being in this game for 21 years, can you share a moment with me where you were frustrated, you thought of quitting, giving up, hanging it up, and and what kept you going? Um, Where they do that at? (laughs) Quitting, hanging up? What? what? I don't even know what that is. Frustrated. Uh, Frustrated to where I wanted to quit? Life is frustrating. Um, whether you're a garbage man or whether you're a rapper, life is frustrating and everything is relative. Um, while I'm privileged enough to recognize the, the perks that I have in life, what I do is very hard. It's very hard to be your own man and entrepreneur and, and, and me. And I, I would venture to say it's harder to be an independent person or an independent artist than it is to work for somebody. To work for somebody, you have to take direction. And God bless, God bless artists, God bless entrepreneurs, artists, journalists who take the chance because most people choose to just work for a corporation or work for a company. Because You know why most people do that? Because it's easier to do. It's easier to be a drone. It's easier to take instruction than it is to be like, I'm, an, I'm who I am and I'm going to just be free. Well, to be honest, for at least 12 to 13 every years of our life, the education system, we're trained to follow. We're trained where you don't know anything else. Yeah, like so many dogs or dolphins. Or, yeah, it's, it's training. And, you, and you, you learn how to get along. You learn how to um, add to and accept the status quo. But, you know, to borrow a metaphor that's overplayed, um, if you um, 
sometimes you look down at the matrix and you are able to see where the status quo is and you, you, you make a choice to step out of it and say, I'm going to just be me. And, and the more the more people that do that, the better we are as a, as, as a species. I'ma ride that bad boy down Nostranav. Yeah, let it roll, coming in waves. 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 You're a love the way you feel, man, it feel good. You're the track, got a feel, man, it's real good. Got the ill melody, but it's still hood. You know the deal. Yo, I never let up. Keep it flashier than old school get us. Got a crackin' like old school leather. Lou Breeze. I was really excited to interview Lou Breeze because he's one of the guys that I've been supporting for a long time. This guy's been doing it over 10 years. And guess what? You know how artists today, you know how rappers have become singers and singers have become rappers? But this guy's been doing that for over a decade because of his his true sound. So he takes us to a very specific vulnerable story where he almost quit rapping to become a roofer. Lou Breeze on the Come Up Show podcast. Let's go. Lou Breeze. You talk about you had your ups and your downs, ups and your downs. Can you share with us a moment where, you know, has there, have, have there been the moments where you're frustrated or you wanted to like say, why am I doing this still? Or what oh, is going man. on? I think I had, share? That, I, yeah. I had that um, maybe last year where I almost like gave in to being, you know, to working. Like I got a job um doing roofing damn yeah it got that that serious and um i was working it for six months i worked through a whole uh a summer summer yeah um and into the winter of so wait no sorry two years ago i believe Mm -hmm. 2015 into 2016 the beginning of 2016 and i was working it and i was like like, you know, I was talking to my my girl at the time and I was like, yo, I think I might just stick with this. Like, I'm making great money. You know, I'm obviously doing something I hate doing, but um, the money is great. Like, I love the paychecks. I'm buying whatever I want. Bought a new car. I'm, like, flying right now as far as money's concerned. But she was like, but you don't want to do this. Like, don't don't forget what you're you're supposed to use this for the, the the real goal that you want to achieve. And I was like, and it really didn't hit me until the winter came. And because <laughs> it's summertime, it's nice. Summertime is some good, tan, man. You get invited yeah, to be, you're lose, feeling I'm, good. I'm losing some pounds. Yeah, I was like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. but winter comes and these guys are trying to have you work out there in like negative 15 degrees. It's like, bro, you could miss me with all that. So I was like, nah, man, I can't be doing this. Like, this isn't for me. And the toll that it takes on your body doing that is like, by the end of the day, bro, you don't want to do anything. Like you want to go home, eat, sleep, because you got to get ready for the next shift the next day. I was like, this can't be life. You don't even get a chance to enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? Some of these guys are telling me they're working seven days straight, I'm, and then they're but then at the in the same breath they're telling me hey, I'm going through a divorce. Yeah, because you have no time to, you know, to 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 cater to your wife, and she's probably getting piped down by the pool boy. <laughs> You know, so it's like you're putting all your time into like working, but you're not putting some time into like nurturing the relationships you have around you. And I was like, this can't be life. So I was like, and then and and then the last thing that made me be like, okay, I'm I'm done with this, and I'm gonna get back to this music stuff. Was I see my engineer Sunny Diamonds post? He posts something on uh, like right after New Year's, um, 
of uh he posts something saying like are you uh he's like you can't complain if you're are you so the new year's here are you going to complain about the job that you have or are you going to do something about like it's, it's along these lines i don't know word for word but he's like are you going to do something about achieving what you really want in life and go for it and that's when by i literally a post on instagram changed my life because i stopped doing that cut that out put my mind towards something else, put my mind back to the music, started making money another way. And it's been going beautiful ever since, you know, I got a beautiful condo and I'm living nice and I'm, I'm happy. I'm going on vacations, doing what I want and also making the best music of my life. So I'm, I'm in a good place right now. But who can fuck you like? I can fuck you right. I was of the night, but we're not a sight. That's when you get so anxious. You make the call and we both came quick. I make it last, I don't finish fast Make you put everybody in the past So how you loyal? I know the outcome of that body When I touch it like I had the game fixed Game six It's so intense when I'm in between uh, Drinking that Henny by the leader And got a few right by the ocean Sylvan LeCue is an artist from Miami, Florida and he talks about how being a rap star is fleeting. Sylvan, LaCue. You feel like hip-hop has started to move into a little more being authentic, being real in, in the artistry. Uh, and, like, your name change probably had to play a role in that. Like, what do you think shifted that? What do you think, you know, moved the culture that way? Um, I'm all about the culture. I love uh, I love the dissecting of what's happening. Um, yeah. So I think because Kendrick used to go by K Dot, and I interviewed Kendrick when before Section Eighty came out, and yeah. like this is around the time when he went from Kendrick, I mean from K Dot to Kendrick Lamar, and he wanted to use his real name as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think um, there was a time period um, where there was a renaissance of like new rap. So like two thousands were like the age of these really really ridiculous larger than life personalities that nobody could relate to unless you're like in the streets 24 inch rims on your escalate truck literally so you had the ti's and gz's and you know lil wayne's and you know 50 cents and all these like you know even kanye's and um you know kanye was a little bit more relatable to a certain extent but like you know, you just had these really larger than life personalities that just were unrealistic when it came down to relatability. So then you started seeing these surgeons of other rappers that were a little bit more on the cooler side. And, you know, you know, you kind of saw it in Lupe and then you had like Mickey Fax and then Charles Hamilton and then Asher Roth and, you know, B.O.B.'s. And then you started seeing J. Cole's and Kendrick and Kendrick Lamar's and Wiz Khalifa's, all these guys that were way more relatable and had like a way more relatable message and you know what I mean? Just seemed to have like a life that the average person could relate to. But that was kind of still the age of the rap star, like the, the blog rapper, you know? And I think after 2013, the tide started to shift a little bit more. And R&B and soul, and even to this day, has still become a little bit more of a factor and more interesting. Um, because it's a more authentic. And people are using more of their real names and their real lives and their real stories. And so now the transition has gone from you know just from the new age of rap to artistry and how do you you know project your artistry and how do you be as authentic as possible and so i think you know people and more rappers nowadays that are coming are starting to embrace who they are and show who they are and there really aren't any too much gimmicks behind it or like things that you have to kind of accumulate yourself to yeah you they amplify themselves because they're artists but 
you know, a lot of these guys are using their real names and they're being themselves. You know, Isaiah Rashad is being himself, Mick Jenkins. You know, these guys are, are embracing who they are, you know, naturally. And it's enough. It's enough because people believe it and it's authentic. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the rap star is fleeting, as he said. Yeah, man. It's, it's you know, the idea of, you know, being a rap star, in my opinion, is, is completely fleeting. You know, it's really about being yourself and showing your artistry and sharing what you stand for as an artist. And... You know, there's a lane for anything now, so you don't necessarily have to encompass the world. Like, you know, there's two avenues to get to listen to music. You had radio and television. So labels were always like, well, how do I get as many? How do we get as many people as possible through these two variables when it comes down to listening to music and capturing music? You can get music and capture music in so many different facets now. So you don't have to necessarily try to gain the world. You can just gain the people who really fuck with you. So that's even more initiative to be your fucking self because there's somebody who's going to be out there who really um, wants to gravitate towards you and hear what you have to say. Funny how you learn to fall from grace as soon as you touch the sky. I can have it all as long as I try. Little did I notice everything I wanted always inside. Envious assumptions are too hard to function. Dopamine consumption, 90 compliments and ego dripping lunches. All the female function grateful. Saba. If you're not familiar with Saba, you're definitely familiar with Chance the Rapper because Saba's been on every Chance the Rapper uh, project. And he's from Chicago. And he talks about you can be peer pressured into not believing in yourself. Saba. People who are listening as well to, to, to accomplish. And I, I, you said a funny thing in an interview where you said you've seen people be peer pressured into not believing in themselves. Like, you think that's that's something that you, you've seen that happen to people you know. Like, how is that possible? How can you be peer pressured not to believe in yourself? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you, you we kind of see it all the time. Like, you'll see a group of friends and, uh, you know, somebody might have an idea that they like, oh, man, like, you know, we're about to, like something that they're really excited about. And you might see how their friends react to it and they might single them out as like being stupid or like being you know like like no we're not gonna do that like you know kind of shutting them down and the next time that they have that bright idea they might not be so eager to share it because they already believe that it's like dumb or like that is not the right thing that their friends want to hear so I think for for me like it's like really you know trying to trying to set by by example like you know the 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 way the world works a lot of time it's not necessarily like against you you know but a lot of times like the media and you know the tv and a a lot of things might shut your ideas down uh and you might not even realize because it might not even be an intentional thing but just the way you know some sentences are worded might you know, you might feel different about yourself just watching TV. You might think differently of yourself. You might see something on TV that makes you feel less about yourself. And I think one of the the most important things, like, you know, the Internet is great and it's also not great. You know, it's like for all of the reasons that it is great are all the, the same reasons that it can potentially not be great. But I think, you know, if you're using that to to, you know, find things that are, you know, positive that you feel positively about i think that's really one of the most important things like finding a a support group like you know friends aren't 
there to shut you down they're there to build you up and i think that's one of the most important things that i'm that i'm blessed to have like everybody in the pivot gang knows like it's not just gassing people like it's not just like you play somebody a song and they like gotta like hype it up like it's the greatest thing ever like that's not a support system like i know if i play something that my brother doesn't think is fire like he's gonna be honest with me and i think that's what's important and you know to do it in a way where i'm not like oh man i don't believe in myself anymore like this shit sucks like but to do it in a way where i'm actually hyped up and excited to go back in and work on it like i think that's what's really important like you know it's it's i don't know it's super like crazy to even think about but a lot of times you might say something in passing to somebody and you you never know what that what their reaction to that might be they might you know it can be positive, it can be negative, it can be nothing, but really it's like, you know, trying to keep positivity around you will, you know, change your life. I'm about to like Leopold, look, I tell him to keep it low. I put down my people alone, fuck. Whoever be opposed, I'm in the deeper zone than on my last one, run. All of it back with two punt. I chose to go for it once in the corridor, now I'm on purposes, uh. I can never fool. I'm about my coin like the laundry, though. I get my paper, then adios. Younger with boss like an Audi home. Sab up a one on like Sabi do. So but got off a Eddie though. I tell the truth on like every song. I drop a classic, that's Abbey Road. You can add him up too. Under my belt like I'm fat as fuck. You begging for help like you had enough. You're listening to the Come Up Show Best of 2017 Part 1. Teddy Phantom. Alcohol, drugs can play a role of like mm-hmm. even uh, us I'm not for- being I'm, in I'm touch for- with ourselves. Uh, yeah, I'm fortunate because like I, <laughs> the, the stuff, when it, whatever, fuck it. When I like drugs to me, like I'm not running away from like a darkness when I do it. You know what I mean? When I do them, I'm like. I'm I'm doing it for like an experiential purpose. You know what I mean? I'm trying to like discover something else or like you know, enter like a different dimension or like, you know, time travel or some shit. Like I'm not I'm not necessarily like running from darkness per se when I do it. You know what I mean? Or or pain? Yeah, it's not it's not it's not really a numbing agent and I could be like be bullshitting subconsciously or something, I don't know, but mm-hmm. I just don't feel it that way. Like I don't fiend for it to do that. You know what I mean? Because that's what most people fiend for drugs well, that's, for. Well, that's when it's to like, run away from something. Well, that's when that's when it's an issue. You know what I mean? Like if that's like that's like a that's when problems arise. You know what I mean? Because you'll never be satisfied because your problems won't be resolved. You'll just be constantly doing drugs, trying to run from whatever's happening. But if that doesn't change, your drug habits not going to change. You know what I mean? So when I dabble <laughs> I'm just like it's more so for the experience you know what I mean so I don't I'm never really afraid of of that mixed with like how I am you know mm-hmm. yeah that, that's it's in a better situation should definitely be in you're not desperate you yeah, don't yeah, need it yeah. I mean I've, it's like, more recreational in my darker days I've definitely yeah. had like benders and shit <laughs> like just like you know three four days gone missing shit <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't do that anymore not well, so much. Well, Maybe what, two days or something. What do you make though of that of the environment now in music, where music is definitely promoting that way more yeah. to younger people, to people who are not as aware? Mm-hmm. Oh. Is it is it good, bad, or, or what? I don't know, man. How, Shit, that's a how good do we question. get here? Like you know what? Like, I feel like went, I feel like yeah, there was like yeah. I feel like generationally there's been like like a artist that's like the safety net for those kind of people you're talking about you know like in the 90s there was like Kurt Cobain who like openly talked about this kind of stuff like drugs and music and his experience and blended it in a way that was like 
informative almost to like the audience his audience you know like it wasn't like glorifying it but more so than like these are the consequences yeah like more so than giving you like a realistic perspective on drugs and depression and all that you know and then there was Kid Cudi who kind of like was kind of like he still is that guy you know what I mean um but like his like I guess like his run when he was like you know day and night and and his mixtapes and shit like he was very like much that character you know for the for the culture where like he was talking about all this stuff but like it was never really like glorifying it you know it was almost like a a a sad story but that you can like turn up to (laughs) you know what i mean but it wasn't necessarily like him promoting it you know i don't know but i feel like now in this generation there might not be so many of those kind of artists you know like i think future i I think future might be the closest of that you know that drug fueled uh like a story or you know that like those other artists were like explaining in the past you know so i don't know i'm hoping that maybe like i can fucking be that in a way you know or that that kind of artist at least like stylistically like blending in the stories with you know do you feel future has that balance or no yeah i feel like he does i feel like he's like a I feel like he's on, I feel like he's a bit of both. You know what I mean? He's a little bit of the glorification and he's a little bit of like the the sorrow and that's like awesome too because it's like a good duality. So I was made for this, I wasn't made for you. Death proud, I would have came with you. I don't know what should change for you. We were playing the game, but I think it was fixed. One foot in a dream, one foot in a bitch. one of the biggest interviews that we did of 2017 actually this is the biggest interview that we did in terms of stats uh you know many fresh Many Fresh was the sound of Cash Money Records. This is the man who produced all of Lil Wayne's albums, Juvenile, every Cash Money hot boy. I was such a fan of Cash, still am a fan of Cash Money Records when I was growing up, when I was 13 years old, singing Bling Bling and Hot Boys. And when I got to sit down with Many Fresh for over an hour, this interview blew up. And went on BET.com, MTV, all the huge media outlets talked about it because there's so much to unpack. There's a lot to unpack in this interview, but we're specifically going to focus on where Manny Fresh talks about the genius that is Lil Wayne. Manny Fresh, you met Wayne. You call him a kid genius. Yeah. Why? I mean, he he s- s- still to me is that that kid genius because just the work ethic and how he attacked it. And, you know, and this was a kid that was probably, when I met him, three grades above where he was supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? And when you don't know somebody, you don't get it. You just think, like, weirdo. And I'm just like, okay. I'm like, wait, how old are you? And where you at in school right now? And I'm like, how does, you know, I'm like, how does that happen? And he was just like, I don't know. He was like, I just see things differently. And it's just really not hard for me. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, cool. I, You know, I'm like, but. Like, maybe you're just a young weirdo or something like, but when what, what was the balance to his life was rap. 
You know what I'm saying? It's like somebody who going, I don't fit in with my peers because everybody thinks that I think I'm smarter than them. But it came easy to him, like um, his homework or whatever and all of that, just solving things. And it kind of put him in an uncomfortable place because it was always, okay, I'm this young kid, but, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be in fifth grade, but I'm in eighth grade. And these, they, don't, they don't like me because I'm here. Plus, I'm the kid that always put my hand up and answer every question. Mm. So it, it was, he was looking for a balance as well of how do I fit in society? How do I, where, where's my cool place? Like, you know, so for him, he fell in love with hip hop, with rap. And, and he couldn't wait to say, I'm going to show off my wordplay. I'm going to show, you know, because even this comes easy to me, but this is this is a filter for me to to go nuts. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just the approach of how he took it. Like if somebody, he was the first one there, last one to leave. And if you didn't have your lyrics together, Wayne always had something. It would be like, hey, you got something for this song? You ain't got nothing? Wayne, like, I got something. I, got, I already got something. I got a verse, all of that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Or... If you left the studio and he felt like your your rap was better than his, he was like, I'm going to do mine over. And he'll wait around quietly like, okay, I'm I'm just going to wait. Then after he was like, hey, hey, Fresh, can I go do my rhyme over? And I'm like, why would you want to? He was like, I don't, I don't, I don't, they killed me on that. So he was very competitive on, like I said, the first one to be at the studio, the last one to leave mm-hmm. all the time. And it was constant every day. Like, I'm like, dude, you got to go home. You got to do, I already did my homework. And I'm like, wow. So I can't even argue with you about nothing. Like, because, you know, he, he figured it out, like, even with his mom. And what was super genius for a long time, Wayne did not curse. That and, was kind of the deal with his parents, right? Yeah, that was the deal. Like, that was like, he was as 14, long as you 15 could do years it, old. Yeah, yeah, it was like, you can do it. And, and it was kind of like... How do you fit in with this group that's like the streets, the hood? Like, that's what they represent. And, and you can't say one raunchy curse word or none of that. But the genius of his verses and where he fit in, it was just like, wow. I'm like, you really don't need to curse. You know, and I think even that was a lesson in hip hop to, to say, like, you can actually come across super cool without, you know, without cursing. And I was and he and he did it for a long, long time. Until F the world. Yeah. Right? And and I understood it when he did that song. I, I totally understood it because it's just when, when, when you know, when, when something happens to you and you lose something that's very close to you, that is your feeling. And where and else, he lost his father. Yeah, yeah, and he lost his father. So yeah. where else do you express that? I mean, he could have expressed it in a, in a bad way or he, and, you know, and did something crazy or put it in your music. Hmm. So... Of course, I agreed with it. I was like, put it in your music. Because I, I see what, you know, I mean, at that time, I, I, I mean, I saw a kid drinking and, 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 you know, and going down the wrong path. So I'm like, I'm going to stop you. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I got to stop you right now. I'm like, why don't you, whatever you're doing, I know what you're feeling, but put it in your music. Hmm. You know, so some something had to give. So I'm just like, you know what, I got to let you say it how you feel. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about that, like Wayne always did his homework. Like you were telling a story where, like, 
uh, the you guys would be talking about a type of gun or something like that. Yeah. Or I don't know what it's called. Seraphina. A Seraphina. Seraphina gun. Yeah. He, he had no idea what it was. He went home and he, he did research home, on did it. He went home, did research on it, came back, and, and, and the rhyme, he t- he's saying everything about, and I'm just like, dude, how do you know that? And he was just like, oh, I just, I looked it up. He was like, I want, I'm not going to say something that I don't know. And I'm just like, wow, I'm like, this is crazy. Like he's telling you this gun was manufactured yeah. in Germany. And yeah, like- <laughs> so it was just like, okay, you're getting on our nerves. Like, we don't even need to know all of that. <laughs> How many of them was made, you know, the year it changed, all of that. And we just like, dude, we was just mm-hmm. having a conversation. It's crazy. <laughs> They are a duo based in Los Angeles, and they talk about their mantra, new religion, and why it's important to believe in yourself. They. I want to... um... I want to know what challenges that you guys have faced because it seemed like your first meeting in LA, you're in a room, Frank Ocean and Katy Perry, and right. like everything so far seems like it, it was with with ease, and it may not be true. What are like low points that you guys had in this industry, and like things maybe frustration, or maybe I want to quit, or I don't want to do this anymore. Why am I doing this? When am I going to get there? When am I going to blow up? Any conversations that you had like that well, with yourself and with each other that you'd like to share with us? For me, it goes yeah. it goes back even farther than before. The industry thing even started. Okay. You know, high school, middle school, for me, I was that one kid, man, I I was bullied worse than probably most, you know what I mean? If you think of the one kid that was in in your school that got bullied, that's like me times 10. I got to the point where, you know, it was, I I fell into like a depression. It was all that, like it, it was really bad. And I would come back home and because I tried to mask it so much, my parents didn't really get a grasp for how bad it really was. So they thought I was, everything was fine. And I never really even had the guts to really tell them how bad it really was. So all throughout middle school and high school, man, I was ostracized and tormented for a long time. And I didn't, I never really knew why. You yeah, know, I was it, it why? Made, like, it, is this in D.C.? This is in Maryland, yeah. Maryland, okay. Yeah. So it's not like you're only a black person there, obviously. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but um, I never really under, understood why. And it, and, it, and, it helped, and it made me kind of struggle with self-acceptance. And it made me kind of try to switch who I was every you know I was really trying to figure out who I was you know what I mean like because like why is everybody no matter what I'm doing nobody's liking me like why you know why me you know what I mean but that's one of the things that music really clarified for me it's helped me figure out who I was you know what I mean as a, it helped me find my light you know what I mean that's why that's why I hold it so dear to my heart that's why it's not just a check for me that's why when people out there are clowning themselves up there in front of the that's what really bothers me because music is really something to me it's, you really have something to say you know what I mean you can really speak your mind as far as what you're going through in your life to maybe inspire somebody else who might be going through the same exact thing and may not believe in themselves and they might be getting bullied or they might be people might be making them them feel like they're not good enough you know you we have the the power to influence somebody like that who's going through it who might want to give up on themselves to really, really change their mind. Hmm. You know what I mean? So that's why it's so powerful for me because if it wasn't for that, I don't, you know, who knows? So since it basically saved your life... In a way, yeah. 
it doesn't matter what BS you go through. It's like it's so much deeper. It's and so much deeper you. for me. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. so much. Yeah, it's really it really helped me find who I was and gave me a second boost of belief in myself. And that's what the new religion is. The new religion is an a religion. Religion at its core, it means something that you believe believe in, right? And the new religion is the belief in yourself. Hmm. Thank you for that. And yeah. and, and you, Dante. Well, I mean, I, th I think so, that was definitely something that me and Drew both connected over. It was you know we both been through a lot in our lives. Um, but I guess specifically in the, in the industry, man, is you know one one thing for me is like I like you said I had a lot of success early, um, but I, I to be honest I was actually a little bit bothered, but that I had success that early, and I had to try to follow it up. You know what I'm saying? I didn't necessarily know how to follow it up. So for the long to this day, because you're a Grammy Award winner, like, right? And then and the Grammy <laughs> yeah. and the plaques and all the awards that I've won for yeah. for the f first few songs I got are in a closet because I didn't want those to be my only plaques that I ever got. So you know, it it, it definitely was kind of bugged me for a while to the point I got I got very negative and and uh, particularly when I got to like a, a a lower point in my career, I felt like I was going to be defined as like the guy who did the Kelly Clarkson song. You know what I'm saying? Which nobody, I mean, obviously it's a great accomplishment or whatever, but, you know, I was felt that I had a greater calling, you know. Um, but th that was when there was a, a very specific day that, like, I was like, you know what? The sessions aren't coming in like they were, you know. the I, I got these awards. I won a Grammy, but, like, am I doing what really, really, like, honestly what I want to do every day? So I just kind of fell back, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on becoming the best producer that I can be but with a very, very clear voice. I'm not going to try to do this for a placement and try to do that for a placement. I'm just going to really, really work on my voice of what I'm trying to do as a producer and make that my focus. Because, you know, when I met Drew, I couldn't, you know, it's funny. When I started the beat for Africa, it was because I was literally just sitting there by myself because everybody canceled on me for the entire week because I was like a D-level producer as far as the industry was concerned. So I just was making beats by myself. Like I didn't have any sessions. You know what I'm saying? So I think, but those moments, I'm 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 grateful for, because I wasn't supposed to be doing that. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't supposed to be doing those sessions to try to you know make pop stuff or whatever. I was I was meant to be starting the the, the to lay the foundation of where we're at now, and you know so that that's something I tell to, to anybody who's going through a low point is that. You know, the, all the bumps in the road, everything, they're inevitable. But if you continue to work on, on yourself and work who you are, on who you are as a human being and as, as you know, whatever your profession is and put in the hard work every day and remain positive about everything, it's like it, you're better equipped to handle the bumps. You don't let them trip you up as much. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know they're going to come. Just the same way we, we hit bumps in the road all the time right now. You know what I'm saying? But it's like if you prepare yourself for them and you keep, like, a positive mindset, it's just like, okay, you, they don't trip you up as much. Mm -hmm. so. And the shot's going to come. The opportunity exactly. is going to come. It's exactly. Exactly. But if you, yeah. let, if you let the little, if you get tripped up or you, or you get mad about things that, that you know, you can't, that that are, happened to everybody. You read any success story, everybody had, you know, Steve Jobs got fired from Apple. You know what I'm saying? I had to come back, like, you know, with the boys of glory. So mm -hmm. as long as you just keep that mindset, that's 
like that like you're never gonna get tripped up you're always gonna just keep going you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. that's that's what i want to want to tell a lot of our fans and a lot of anybody who's listening is like you know just just stay at it like no matter what stay at it like and, and know that not everything's gonna work out but as long as you're still moving it will continue to still move it will continue Run away as a savage Yeah, I do it for no reason That's just how it is I deserve something different than the average If you in time for the weekend Give me a blessing I ain't gon' judge you We don't know better I ain't the only nigga So there ain't no pressure Just come and get it I know you ready It's automatic Give it to me No time to my interview with Khalil, yo, this is one of my favorite interviews because Khalil, by the way, is an artist from LA, uh, signed to Justin Bieber's label, and a very close friend of Justin Bieber. And uh, Khalil was a, a, a person who did not grow up with a family. He grew up in foster care, and he draws the parallel of foster care and the music industry, how they're both alike. Khalil. Uh, Khalil, uh, what are the sacrifices that you've had to make to be on this path? I feel like I had to just sacrifice a lot of things. I had to sacrifice uh, a lot of things being young. I don't know. I wouldn't say I sacrificed my childhood, but I don't know. I just sacrificed a lot of time, you know, a lot of, um, I feel like a lot of people in life. I had to sacrifice, I don't know, it's different. Um, I come from a foster family, but there's still nobody that I really knew from a baby to now, you know what I mean? So it's different. People just kind of come in and out. So I had to find the people in life that I wanted to keep around and build and make, you know what I mean, uh, myself a family, kind of so to speak. because when you just have people just coming in and out of your life and you start seeing that, like, no one's consistent, you want to start building that consistency. And what the music industry is, it's, it's not consistent, you know what I mean? So when you come from that, it's just made me just so easy to adapt, but it's still so hard, you know what I mean? It's just it's, it's such a weird place to be in, but if you're in it, you, you, you know, kind of. So you're saying uh, since you were in a, a foster home, you were used to uh, people coming and going into your life, and that's kind of uh, happening in the music business because people come and go. But you're looking to build uh, foster long-term relationships like, sure. like ride sure. or die. People. For sure, yeah. for sure. That's kind of, um, I don't know, that's, the, that's, that's probably why artists and stuff click so much because we have so many of those same things in common, you know what I mean? I just see some of the same things, you know, so that's probably how me and JB kind of linked up. It's probably how... You know, me and other artists like Lil Twist kind of linked up. I mean, it's just different, you know, when you have a natural connection with someone through life and when you go through this kind of the same things, you just naturally click. Um, but, yeah, it's so inconsistent um, that, I mean, I just try to create, uh, like, a daily thing that I do that's, you know what I mean, that's consistent, you know what I mean? So it's just different. Um, like what, daily rituals? Or um, what do you mean by that? No, like, um, stuff that I can look back and see yearly shit, you know what I mean? Like, because I don't come from a family, so I'm not used to the birthday shit and 
yearly things that you do. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm just not used to it. I don't know. It's different. Like homesick. What is that? You know what I mean? I don't. I don't. I don't know what that is. You know, it's just different. There's no home to be sick of. To be to miss. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So it's just different. I don't know. So when you just come from that space, it just forces you to kind of always be an adaptive kind of on guard type of thing. I don't know. Calumet is a singer, producer from Toronto, and yo, this is one of my favorite like excerpts and things that I want to share with you. Who talks about how music is a mirror of yourself. Calumet, you've said also、uh, that music is not the source; that it's a pulpit for emotional expression, to present personal, spiritual, philo-、uh, philosophical views learned or experienced in life. What does that mean? You dug. Deep, so man. I'm I'm gonna not watch shit right now, dog. Yeah, no, that's no, good.、Okay. That's good, man. That is good. Um, it was definitely like a long like uh uh statement that you posted on Instagram. If you want,、yeah. if if you can read the caption for me that you posted, yeah,、uh, sure. And then break that down for us. That was 83 weeks ago from today. Creeping. Oh boy. Okay, so the caption says, "Music is not the source, nor is it the ultimate." It is a pulpit for emotional expression to present personal, spiritual, and philosophical views learned or experienced in life. Without lyrics, it is still possible to hear, feel where a musician is coming from. We all understand the concept of vibes. It's possible to know whether they pull inspiration from darkness or light. It's possible to hear whether they're selling you darkness or light. This goes for any art form. I'm gonna stop there. There's a bit more, but I'm gonna stop there.、Um, So, I think I was really articulate. I think anyone reading that or hearing that can understand what I mean. But to break it down, music is just a medium to express whatever the person is doing. Music is a reflection. It's a mirror. It's a mirror. If you're doing it right, if you're doing any art form right, whether it's painting, dancing, music, singing, poetry, it's a mirror of yourself. It's a reflection of yourself, and whatever you have going on within you, positive, negative, in between, that will be on the canvas. Now, music is also a mode of expression and messaging, and programming. So you can program people. You could send messages to people based on what you are saying, what you're doing. The messages that you put in your music, and so that's why I think it's music is a sacred thing. I think art in general is sacred because it has the power to control. And a lot of people might not admit to that, but if you look back in your life, look back at the venues you've been, look back in the situations you've been in your life where music has had a strong hold on you, you can know that music can make you do things. Music can make you think things that you would have not thought about otherwise. So if you're a teenager 
and you're 13, 14 years old and you have no idea what Zannies are, but you start hearing it, you're going to research and you're going to find out what Zannies are. And if you hear your favorite rapper talking about popping Zannies, you'll be, you become curious. What are these things? What are, what is Zannies? And when you know what it is, when the opportunity arises for you to have some, because you're at a party and they're bumping that Zanny music and Zannies come around, you might take some because you want to be as cool or like that person that you look up to, that musician, that rapper, that singer that you look up to, that artist, that poet. So musicians, artists, they have a responsibility, I think, to the people. And maybe some don't. I don't know. This is just my personal opinion. But I, I believe that if you're doing it right, you are selfless. And if you're doing it wrong, you are selfish. And I believe that there's two different types of artists. And I believe that also everyone struggles with both. So that's all I can say. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, like uh, because the challenge is maybe sometimes if you're a struggling uh, artist and you need to survive financially, uh, by nature, you got to be selfish. You know, you got to preserve yourself and you may do things or co-opt or make music that is hot right now to get somewhere. And it's, uh, it's a fine line, isn't it? For some people, uh, it is. I mean, it's all, it's, all, it's, all, it's all decisions. Everyone is free. You're free to make whatever choice you want to make. And some people choose, they just choose whatever they choose. So some people don't mind being irresponsible and some people try to run away from responsibility and accountability. And I feel like right now, my personal opinion is North Americans in general are not about responsibility or accountability. They're just about doing whatever we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. And I answer to nobody. Part one of the Come Up Show podcast. I hope you're enjoying yourself. Once again, these are all excerpts and little slices of every interview. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the Come Up Show podcast. We're on all platforms: Apple Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, and uh, one of my another favorite interview: Bird and Keys. Uh, Bird is a producer from Toronto, and he's produced for Meek Mill, MGK, and a lot of great Toronto artists, Unreal, uh, Canadian artists. Uh, in, in this interview, he talks about, you know, uh, he, you know, he finished school because his parents wanted him to finish school. And now imagine you're an artist, you're a creative or a producer. You know, your parents want you to finish schools before you can pr- pursue your art full time. He finished his degree and he quit his job and he was about to pursue music full time. 
And then something happened. Something very, very rare happened. And here's his story. Bird and keys. <laughs> Tell me about that pressure about I, finishing <laughs> school. And, well, know, I finished school. I had my degree. And um, I, did, I did a degree in criminology. And um, I remember before I quit, I, I, I sat them in, the, I sat them in the, the kitchen. And I was like, this is what I want to do. So like, I'm thinking about doing this. It's been on my mind for a while. And they're just like, you're crazy. Like, you're dumb. Like, don't do it. And I was like, you know, I saved up some money. So I was like, you know, I have a little bank. So like, I won't, you know, be able to like, I won't like be, be, be a bum out here. Like I can pay my bills, like my phone bill and move around and get food. And so like, so I was like, you know, I'm like, if I just save my, if I, if I have this little money like that I've saved up and then I go on EI for like a year, I, I'm like, I should be able to weather the storm of, of this unemployed full-time beat making thing and they were just like eh, whatever like they're like i kind of wore them down they're like i guess you have a plan it's your life and then they let me kind of do that i'm like i went to school for you i got the degree like leave me alone just let me do a couple years for, for myself it was important for you to yeah. finish with like what was the criminology yeah you went to school for mm-hmm. yes. i finished the degree so i was like let me just get me some me time now like let me let me work on myself like and um you know so that so that happened like in like april uh, of like 2010 mm-hmm. i think and then like and then keys passed away like in june of that year so like it was kind of like it was like going from like launching and then it just kind of like like this kind of exploded and then like yeah because you're like you're excited yeah like, yeah, ready. yeah it, it didn't last that long like it was, it was like it was like a blast off and then it was like like and then everything came to a halt and then I kind of had to regroup and figure it out again. How long, like, first of all, what, like, I can't even uh, pronounce what yeah. he had. What is it called? It's called um, streptococcus. Okay. Yeah, it's... Um, it's A viral infection? Yeah, it's a viral infection that affects, like, uh, f- about 5% of the population. <laughs> Very rare. And um, I'm not sure how he got it. I don't, I don't think... Um, anybody really knows how it really occurred and even to this day it kind of feels weird because it's not really like something like tangible or like something you saw coming and um it just kind of i don't know it's just it just like it's it's almost like he got like like beamed up out of the like off the earth like it's it's crazy because like i i remember seeing him like at the mall like at mark mall on friday we saw him i was getting i was like getting a video game or something because i was like um I think I was getting a video game for us. So like, if he ever came by my house, like, cause he, he likes soccer. So I was like, I try to, Oh, uh, that's cute. <laughs> so I was like, you know, if we're, you know, like we had like, like the little producer blocks. I was like, yo, I'm yeah. like, if you come over, we can, we can play FIFA and then like, we can, you know, get back to making beats. So I was like, I, was, I went to the store to get a beat. I ran into him and I was like, yo, what are you, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm just here, whatever. And then like, um, the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday passed. And then he, I talked to him Monday night and then he passed Tuesday morning. Or that night. Did you, did you know? No. That I, he was sick? He went well, to the what was the turnaround on him like getting in and dying? Um, so when I spoke to him, so um, this is a time like when Facebook was like really big, like really, really big. So um, I remember um, over that weekend, I saw him Friday. He looked perfectly fine. He was with his girl. He was walking around. I was like, yo, what up? You good? And then um, I remember Saturday passed and then he was very like active him and his girl were very active like they would like send messages to each other very mushy and like send messages like like they don't have a phone or something and like so um my girlfriend at the time was like 
Anthony's posting some stuff about like he's not feeling well. Uh, maybe you should call him. And I was like, oh, I didn't know anything was wrong with him. And I'm like, all right, I'll give him a call. And um, I called him. I was about to go out somewhere on Monday. I was like, it was summertime. So I was like, I'm about to go out somewhere and go kick loose. And then um, something, something, something told me to call him. So I called him. It was like around like 7 p.m. And I was like, um, his dad picked up the phone. And his dad was just like, oh, Anthony's on the, Anthony's not feeling well. Like, can I take a message or whatever? And I was just like, and then I think Anthony picked up the phone. He was like, yeah, I got it. I got it, dad. And then um, his voice sounded really low and really like hoarse. Uh, I never really heard him like sound like that before. And he was like, uh, and I was like, yo, what's good with you, bro? I heard you're not feeling well. And he's like, yo, mans are sick. Uh, this is the most sick I've ever felt in my life. And I was like, and I'm still not really thinking anything of it. Like, I'm still thinking that like flu, flu, like, he'll get over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And even he thought he would get over it. He was just like, he was like, yeah, like I got like, it's coming from both ends. Like it's crazy. And then I was like, oh shit. And then I'm just trying to make him laugh. And I was like, yo, I'm like, so how sick are you? And I'm like, I'm like, if Halle Berry came in the room right now, <laughs> Could you slap it? And he was just like, yo, not even gonna lie. Not today still. And I was like, damn. And I was like, you're really sick then. And then he just like kind of like chuckled a little bit. And then he was just like, ah. And then I was like, but he's like, it's okay. Man's got some antibiotics. I'm gonna pop these. I'm gonna be all right. And he's like, he's like, yo, you wanna come to my barbecue on Thursday? And I was like, yeah, 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 I'm coming. And then, and then he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, like give me a couple of days. I'll be, I'll bounce back. And I was like, all right, cool. And I was like, anyways, um, yeah, I'll holler at you. And then, um, uh, I remember just before, oh, and then like just before we got off the phone, he was like, yeah, like he was naming all, he was naming all these regular symptoms. Like, yeah, it's coming from both ends, blah, blah, blah. And then he said something that caught me off guard and he was like, um, he's like, yeah, like I can't really, it hurts to walk. And, and then he's like, my, uh, my calf, my, my, my leg is like swelling. And I was like, what? And then he's like, yeah, like it's like, it's huge. Like, like like nutty professor like like a clump and i was like what and i'm like bro that's not that doesn't sound normal bro like you can get that checked out and he was just like yeah like i'll i'll, I'll like i got antibiotics so I'll, I'll, I'll be all right and i was like nah be like that's not that's not normal bro that's not no flu symptoms and then he's like yeah 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 um but yeah I'll, I'll, then like, like like yeah i'll holler at you and then i remember um he put the phone down but i kept listening and um i heard him call his dad in the background he was like dad can you come here and um um i listened like a little, little bit longer and then like i kind of hung up and um i went out and um the next morning like i just went to the washroom just you know checking my blackberry at the time you know blackberries were popping and i was just going through my phone and it was maybe like 10 o'clock in, in the morning and I was just going through my phone, just do, 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 do. And, uh, and then like, um, um, one of my boys called me and he was just like, Hey, are you okay? And I'm just like, yeah, like what's going on? And I didn't know at the time that he knew that I didn't. And he was just like, Oh, just checking how you're doing. All right. See you later. And then like, and then like, I was like, okay, that was weird. And then like, he didn't uh, want to be the one. To yeah. He didn't it. want to be the one. So yeah. then, um, um, and then, um, I don't know. Uh, I think one of his friends called me and like, you know, like one of his friends. So like, I was like, like, we don't really, we're friends, but we're like, you, like he was more his friend and he called me and I was like, 
he's like, yo. And I was like, what's up? And he's just like, you, you didn't hear? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, Anthony. And I was like, what about him? And he's like, he's gone. And I'm like, gone where? <laughs> and then they're just like, it wasn't making any sense to me. And then they're like, gone. And they're like, gone where? And I'm like, gone. Like, he's gone. And I was like, what are you talking about? And, I'm, and, then, I'm, and then I'm like, hold on, where are you? And he's like, I'm at his house. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then I it became real. And I was like, oh. And then I was like, all right, I'll call, I'll, I'll call you back. And it still wasn't really processing. I was still just like, okay. Like, hmm, what, is, what, what does this mean? And then I went into my room and I was on my Blackberry. And then I, and what what made it real, I don't know why, but I, I was scrolling. On Facebook. On, on um, like Facebook and, and my Blackberry Messenger. BBM. Yeah, and I saw and I saw three status updates saying RIP keys, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And I was like, "And I was like, this is real." And I was like, "Oh my god!" And then I I just like dropped to my knees and started crying. Like I was like, "Oh my god!" Like and then I I I I called my mom, and like I couldn't even get like the words out. Like she just heard me crying, and she was like, "Andrew, what's going on, Andrew, Andrew?" And I was just like. Uh, uh, and, I, and then she just she my mom just hung up the phone and just and just came from work and, and came back home and um i we, we drove up to anthony's house and um like everybody was there and everybody was crying and i was like what did he die from and everybody was like, at that time they didn't even know about the streptococcus thing they were like they were saying like maybe it was a bee sting maybe it was allergic reaction or some shit and uh and i was just like what like it, it still wasn't processing and yeah just to this day it still doesn't really make sense but uh, you know i've learned to you know accept it they say that rainy days don't last forever and i'm standing here in the storm and i don't know how i'm supposed to move on without you i know that i have to it's what you would want and I feel you on my shoulders like a cross. Mathematicians couldn't come up with equations to measure my loss. You were my brother. I loved you as kin. And I'll never forget the things that we did. The sound of your laughter is a melody that plays daily on my eardrums. And I miss our rhythm. I'm consumed with questions and wish that God would send the answers. Why you? Why now? So soon. I see a reflection in each of my tears. And I'd give anything to have you back here. Comes the rain again. Drowning me in a downpour of emotions And I just close my eyes Lift my head to the skies Cause no matter how great these days may get You'll never cease to shine I hope you're enjoying the best of 2017 Part 1 of the Come Up Show podcast And this is what I You know what I said in the intro That we're talking about vulnerability uh, We want to humanize artists this is one of my favorite stories. Dynasty Williams, who's an artist from Scarborough, she talks about her lowest point, and I'm so happy to share this story with you. 
Dynasty Williams. Uh, quitting, frustration, that's, you know, everybody has that as a creative. There's been lots of stories from artists who, you know, just are a question why they continue to do things. Can you, can you, give, can you give me a, to- a story, a moment in time when you're like, yo, why am I doing this? Is, is there a point? Can you share a story with me like that? Have you had an mm. experience like that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I'll tell you, there were, in the music video, there's uh, Nigel, shout outs to Nigel, really dope, Nigel Edwards, really dope in the balcony dancer. Music yeah, in the yep. balcony music video. Yeah. He is on the balcony at Jane and Finch. And um, Jane and Finch has this restaurant. I'm not going to name it right now, but I was working at this restaurant. At this same at this time in my life, uh, I had just dropped out of school, high school, college, dropped out of the University of Windsor. Mm-hmm. All right, so I had just dropped out of school. I was like, man, nothing makes me happier than music. I'm just gonna pursue that. So I dropped out of school. Um, my family had just we had all ended up back in a shelter again uh, in Scarborough because that was the only location that the, that we had. <laughs> Uh, f- space for us so we were living in Scarborough um, I was working at Jane and Finch so I was traveling this long distance uh, to get to work every day and while I was uh, there twice in one week the subway just wasn't working in the east end I don't know what's going on with the TTC in the east end bro Is it the RT oh or, my uh, gosh not I have to, yeah I had yeah. to get on the RT too yeah, yeah, but yeah. but I'm just saying the actual subway in the yeah. east at that point was yeah. like hell on earth like mm. so I ended up being like I would leave so that I would be half an hour early at least to get to work every day mm-hmm. but then I ended up being like a whole hour or an hour and a half late um two days in one week so they fired me right and I, I remember um going home to the shelter, uh, to my family. And, um, like I was standing outside, actually standing outside of the shelter and I had just ha- like lost my bus pass. Sorry. You lost I, your, yeah, exactly. I had one? just metro lost pass? My, my metro pass. Which is like yeah. $140. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm walking around like looking for my metro pass and like freaking out because Damn. I'm like, Man, I just lost my job. I just lost my Metro Pass. We're in a shelter. How am I going to, like, I was the only person that was doing any type of providing for my family. Like, what the hell am I going to do? Why did I think that I could just pursue music and uh, think that that was going to be okay? And, I, I like, I was just on the street corner, like, crying. <laughs> you know, like, one of those times where you just, you don't even care who sees you. Um, people came up to me a couple of times asking if I was okay. I was like, just don't touch me, <laughs> you know? Um, and I sat down outside for a while and just like, I cried until I felt like all of the weakness of that situation had left me. You know, I think that's one thing that men uh, are, are missing from their lives is the fact that when you cry, you release a lot of stuff and you can continue on. Like it actually allows you to be stronger, right? At that moment, I, I cried until I couldn't cry anymore. And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna get my act together. Time to go back to the shelter and figure out where I'm gonna get another job, you know? And um, 
at that point I said, you know, I've I've been through so many different things though in my life that I have to make this music stuff work for me or all of this would have been in vain. So it was like just back to writing, back to the therapy. Hmm. Yeah, that that like yo like so like you were just crying in the street. Yep. And it, not did you feel better Morningside and Elsmere. <laughs> <laughs> like no. <laughs> did not care. Thank you for sharing that story. No problem. I start every year like this is my year. Like the bullshit is gonna disappear. Like I left all the drama in my rear. Like I hit that nirvana. Chosen to steer. So fuck it, I'm here. Please do not cheer. It's not how it appears. Too many years. Too many fears. Too many L's. Adam Bomb. Adam Bomb is an artist from Toronto who's a Juno Award winner. And he, over 10 years ago, he made a song called Canada Sucks. And now, 10 years later, we caught up with him when he was releasing a new album. And he talks about what hasn't changed in over 10 years and what has. Adam Bomb. The song Canada Sucks was released <laughs> over 10 years ago. And you weren't yeah. criticizing our country, Canada, like, no. this is a shitty place to live. Not at all. You were criticizing the industry of, like, we have so much great talent here. Mm-hmm. And uh, people are not appreciating this. So obviously, a few things have changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, I guess what would our, um, what would you say are like your feelings that are consistent from then over 10 years ago to now? And what do you think has changed? Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't perform it anymore because it would probably be like, people would be like, what are you talking about? But yeah, the thing is, though, is that not a lot has changed. What mm. The difference between then and now was was that, you know, the sentence was that no one from Canada can do it here. You know, the most we ever had was Maestro at the time. That sentiment has now slightly changed, too. It's not that you can't be from here. It's that you still can't do it here. And, I mean, what I've learned over those years is maybe that's not such a bad thing. Maybe this is just not the place for urban music at all. And it's sad. I love Canada. I love I love this country, you know, and I would never want to live anywhere else. But if I grew up in... Uh, you know, uh, let's say Zimbabwe, and I was super into high fashion, I have to accept that Zimbabwe's high fashion scene is not what London's is. So if I really want to get into it, you got to move. And that's the reason why the guys who have succeeded out here are not doing it from here. That's why Bieber had to go south. That's why P. Rain had to go south. That's why Drake had to go south. Troy Lanes. This is why uh, Jazz Cartier has to go with, you know, either even if you're from here, you got to do it with an American backing because they understand the machine. And there's no machine ever being built here. And I'm not saying that it's always going to be the case. I hope it changes. For future generations, you should see how much talent there is here. If we just accepted it and appreciated it, we could have a scene like the UK does where they accept their own and they could care less what's on American radio because they have their own scene. Toronto alone should have its own scene where we don't need any. Canadian Music Week should be slammed full of our people smashing up the ACC with just our acts because we have that much talent. But there's no machine here that cares for that. The Juno Awards are always going to be the night before on the Saturday. The uh, um, the radio stations are, are always going to play CanCon and they're going to play their Drake you know, because that fills up their CanCon list, but they're not here to break artists. They don't care about it. They don't care about reggae artists. They don't care about jazz artists. They don't care about, um, you know, R&B, and they don't care about rap in Canada. And you got to kind of got to accept it. It sucks, you know? It's very negative, but it sucks, but that's what it is. And uh, if you do want to do it, I'm not saying you have to move from the States. You can do it here. A guy like Classified did it here, but you got to watch what you're making. 
You know what I mean? Maybe what you make doesn't fit here. And um, he's a rare case too. Very, very rare case. And I mean, he's talented as hell. And I mean, I hope it does change. I'm not trying to be negative to the point where I'm saying don't try to do it here. If you can do it, prove me wrong. But that's that's something that's still a sentiment that existed back when Canada Sucks was out. The only difference is at least now we do have some guys that people can say. You know, I look up to these guys. Look at what they've done, and I mean, all the credit in the world to those guys who There's have brought. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And honestly, build it up. Keep keep going and show kids that, hey, man, you can do something with yourself off of music up here. It's not a dead end, but it just might not be in Toronto and it might not be in Canada. So, what do you want from music? What do you want from this? My whole thing is is legacy over currency. I, I could care less mm. about. I could care less about being, you know, a multimillionaire. I could care less about even awards and and uh, if I have enough that I can leave. If I ever have kids, uh, some money behind, that's a beautiful thing, but I'll always do what I can to support mine. I could care less about any of that. All I want to do is leave some some interesting music behind that somebody can say, you know what, nobody did it like this guy did it. And, uh, you know, if if that ends up being only the people in my neighborhood or the people that listen to this podcast, I'm still happy with that. I'm at, I'm at a point in my life where I'm satisfied no matter what happens. Don't assume I can't do it if I haven't yet. I was the man before a plan was set. Now I hold the crown just to count on how the ransom get. Don't sweat it though, I'll let it go when my demands are met. Sprock said it's time to go for it. So I guess it's time to go for it. Never seem to find a peace of mind, but I hope for it. I roam the globe for it, but I resign before my soul gets sold for it. Sorry I didn't mean to. I'd rather disappear than deceive you. I'd rather not be seen than be seen through. I pray your love doesn't leave me like my dreams do. Yo, what did you think of part one? The best of 2017 of the Come Up Show podcast. I hope you're inspired. I hope you're curious and you want to check out the rest of the episodes. And yo, I really need you to give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so. And share the podcast because I feel like we have so many gems, over 40 interviews alone this year. And 2018, we are about to turn it up. And a little one small thing you could do is just share and leave a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts. My name is Chad. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you on part two of the best of 2017. Peace.